This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, this is Constance Towers, and welcome to TV Confidential. Number one, it's good to be here after living through an earthquake that uh, was of a, a sizable magnitude, and luckily for those in the, uh, in the stadium that night, was far enough away, even though, of course, a lot of people... You know, lost their lives because of the collapsed freeway in Oakland and the uh, section of the Bay Bridge that went down. So uh, it was certainly one of the most stunning things ever. I can't imagine ever, anything like that, you know, happening. And there's no way to, to even think about preparing for something like that. So it just, you know, it took, it took place. And then what you had to do is, uh, as we were on the air, just to kind of collect your wits, stay calm. And then try to figure out how you're going to explain what was going to happen. Ed Robertson welcoming you to TV Confidential, radio talk show about television. Then we'll welcome back Ed Asner and Peter Onorati in our second hour. Ed has a new series on USA coming out soon called Briar Patch. He is also bringing his plays God Help Us and a Man and His Prostate to various cities across the U.S. and Canada over the next several weeks, while Peter Onorati has a new movie that is now available on Amazon Prime. Plus, he will be making a return appearance on NBC's This Is Us later this fall. Ed Asner and Peter Onorati will both join us in our second hour. Be able to stay tuned for that. Coming up later on this hour, we will say hello to Jeff Abraham. Jeff is the co-author of a new book that explores an aspect of show business that not too many people talk about that subject being performers who died on stage in the middle of giving a performance it is a phenomenon that apparently has happened a lot more often than you might think we'll talk about that and more when jeff abraham joins us later on in this hour in the meantime tony figueroa and donna allen are with us as they bring us this week in tv history and tony segment as always is brought to us by our friends at story salon Southern California's longest-running, regularly performing live storytelling ensemble. For more information, go to storysalon.com. What do you have for us tonight? I'm going to kind of throw it to you, Ed. Uh, October 17th, 1989. We were spectators, the two of us on this side of the table. You were there. So, Well, uh, I, well this, this is the Loma Prieta earthquake up in Northern California. I was... Uh, I was at Candlestick Park awaiting the start of Game 3 of the 1989 World Series, uh, the Giants versus the A's. So it was the Bay Area Series. It was the Bay Area Series. And what I remember, what I remember exact, uh, if uh, 5.04 p.m., if I remember correctly, was the exact time. Mm -hmm. And what I remember most now, Candlestick Park was one of those classic cookie-cutter ballparks that emerged, like like Riverfront yes. Stadium. It was sort of shaped like a huge bowl, and you had like three or four layers of state that went up. Um, and uh, but it was it was an open roof stadium. I remember at 504 all of this and I was sitting in the right field 
second level right field bleachers. It was it was a portable. It was a portable uh, bleachers. They called them the football seats because there was a, uh, when the 49ers would play football at, at Candlestick, they would pull them out. Okay. You know, that way they would get another, you know, 10,000 seats in the stadium. But it was playoff season, so they're extra seats. So it was a safe part of the stadium, but you're sort of in the middle. You have the upper deck and above you. Yes. All of a sudden, there's the stands are rattling. And... Because it was like five minutes away from the scheduled first pitch, you, most of us figure we're just everyone's just getting jacked mm-hmm. up, you know, because we're getting ready. Because uh, it was we're, we're, uh, Giants fans were getting ready for the start of the game. I looked up, and not only did I see the left field foul pole wobbling back and forth, I saw the top of the stadium again, this bowl-shaped structure wobbling back and oh forth God. like a bowl of jello. Mm-hmm. At first I thought like I said I thought it was 50,000 people getting excited but that was not usual that was at one then it kind of dawned on us that was not a, a usual sort of thing. Now because most of us it was it was mostly Oakland fans and San Francisco fans. It was a predominantly mm-hmm. local crowd. Yes. And having grown up in Northern California, having grown up in California, you're accustomed to earthquakes. So even though this was a little stronger mm-hmm. than usual, there was not a sense of panic that you might nor- normally sense until we started hearing the reports that were coming afterwards about the Bay Bridge about the part of the Bay Bridge structure collapsing, about the Embarcadero Freeway collapsing, and you start hearing these other things, and you realize this is not just people getting excited. So, yeah. But although, ironically, you find out later, Candlestick Park was one of the most maligned mm-hmm. stadiums in the history of sports stadiums uh, for a lot of good reasons. That day, it proved to be one of the safest places to be because structurally, it did, it it withstood the jolt. So, if, if a building is supposed to do its job, it did its job that day. So, but I will, I will never forget that because you just, I, I, I still see the top of the structure wobbling back and forth like a bowl of jello. How long did it take you to get out of the stadium and to get back home that night? As I recall, I was fortunate. I was fortunate. I don't remember whether I took public transportation or if I drove. Was was Bart still running? Um, Bart did not go directly to Candlestick Park. You okay. had to take a shuttle bus um, to downtown. And there, there are different shuttle buses that would take you to Bart, that would take you to AC Transit, that mm-hmm. would take you to uh, Caltrans. As I recall, I think I took public transportation that day. And as it happened, I also lived about 15 minutes away from Candlestick Park. Very good thing. Mm -hmm. I was fortunate. I did not have any trouble getting home. You know, I'm just trying to, I think all of us have had the nightmare. You're in a very public, very crowded place, a theater, a sports arena, and something happens. Yeah. And is there going to be panic? 
and then everyone has to get out. Mm-hmm. And it, the disaster has not just happened in that one area. It is the entire area, entire geographical area around you. And you don't know what you're going to face when you get out. And it wasn't just like you're at a stadium and for a ball game. It was the World yes. Series. It was, the world, it was the World Series. I mean, uh, I, I do remember um, within 10, 15 minutes, players from both sides emptied out onto the field. And they looked for their families. And uh, in some cases, they brought their families out from the stands onto the field. And there was an air of uncertainty as to what to do. Yeah, of course. Um, And when you've got 55, 50, you know, 60,000 people in the stands, for there was a sense, the natural instinct is, okay, you know, the stadium's okay, it's just another earthquake, let's go play ball, you know. But uh, in the mean, and again, Without access to the television or the radio broadcast at the time, you're just sort of in a, you're sort of in a in a vacuum, knowledge-wise. You find out later on that behind the scenes, I, th- I, th- I think some of the network feeds were out, so they're going by generators, and um, and they're they're getting a sense of what the pulse of what's going on in the city, what's going on in the Bay Area. And the commissioner of baseball at the time, Faye Vincent, made the right call, yes. which was, no, we're not going to play tonight, and I don't know when we're going to play again. Mm-hmm. Because when you're finding out that people are stranded, people, uh, public structures such as bridges are collapsing, Let's. I know even though this is a big deal, perspective is everything. And so the World Series was shut down, and the city was more or less shut down uh, for good several days. Yes, I was not working in civil service at the time, but I had friends who were, and it was it was one of those situations where okay, you may your job may have been you were an assistant uh, at the district attorney's office, an assistant at the city attorney's office, but uh, your job that day was to go out to some of the emergency centers mm-hmm. and help with overflow. The gal I was seeing at the time, she uh, she was sent out to one of the emergency centers put together at the marina and were helping provide information or you know, resources to the extent it was possible to people who suddenly lost their homes or were displaced. Yeah. And I, and I think we also have to remember, especially for younger listeners, there was no social media. There was mm-hmm. no social media. It, there was no Internet. It took yeah. longer for information to discern the information. It took, I mean, compared to today, a very long time. I mean, all of us as Californians, these days, there's an earthquake. You pick up your phone. You do a post. Right. Uh, it just, it's just natural anymore. Yeah. The other thing, going back to this was the World Series, I remember my sister, the nun, was stationed in, I think she was stationed in New York at the time. And she's watching news reports, and the impression, just based on the initial information and the initial footage, the initial reaction was San Francisco had entirely collapsed. Yes. Yeah, in Los Angeles, yeah, that's, that's what we were getting. Yeah, yeah, so, and it wasn't... I mean, as as more information came through in the next hour, couple of hours, you would be. I mean, 
not not to minimize the damage of what happened, but you were able to see that okay, yes, it was significant damage, but it was it was isolated to certain areas. But again, this is one of those things where perspective is everything, and it doesn't matter who you are, you can still be effective. My friend was telling me the following day, Joe DiMaggio, he lost his home in the marina. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob Welsh. Uh, who used to pitch for the Dodgers, and at the time he was one of the starting pitchers for the Oakland A's. He lived in the Marina District of San Francisco. He lost his home, and so he was standing in line waiting for his, with his ticket, you know, just like everybody Mm -hmm. else. And so it just just goes to show, doesn't matter who you are, you can lose everything in a moment's notice. We are looking back at the events of October 17th, 1989, the day of the Loma Prieta earthquake, in San Francisco. Donna? I remember one perspective during that time that, thank goodness, the World Series between those two teams was happening that night. So many people had left work early. They yeah. were off the yes. freeways yeah. Yeah. and were at home or in bars yeah. watching the game yeah. or getting ready to watch the game. And because because of that fact, a lot of lives were probably saved. The, 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 exactly. the Bay Bridge was not packed at rush hour. Exactly, exactly. No, it could have it could have been a lot worse than it actually was. Now, the Bay Bridge was shut down. I'm I think it was I'm going to say at least 3 months, probably longer. Uh, I'm just I'm I'm just going off of memory right now. So, as you get from the, to the day after the morning after, yeah, no, I mean you had to um you had to find other ways to get to work uh d- depending on where you worked whether you work whether you're coming into San Francisco or coming out of San Francisco city hall, there's some structural damage uh it took about a year and a half to renovate completely, and there were a lot of things but uh t- it was ten days later that the commissioner of baseball Faye Vincent. And again, he was, and Vincent was not necessarily a popular commissioner, which is one of the reasons yeah. I liked him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but his attitude was, we're a guest in San Francisco. And yes, there was talk of, bring, of, of relocating the games down. down I remember down Los here. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. Uh, there was talk yeah. about having them play Dodger, either Dodger Stadium or Angel Stadium. But he felt that at some point when the time was appropriate, it would be a boost for the city of San Francisco yes. to resume the series, which they did about 10 days later. Mm-hmm. And I remember you had the cast of Beach Blanket Babylon perform San Francisco as part of the pregame celebrations. And it was it was a sort of a citywide, stadium-wise, cathartic moment that, okay, we... You know, we took a punch in the stomach, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of work to be done, and it doesn't minimize the fact that you know lives were lost and damage. You know, people lost you know uh, property. People lost property, and life will never be the same. But there was in that spirit of resilience. We will move on. So, Ed, uh, who won the 1989 World Series? Uh, the Oakland A's in four games. <laughs> However, I, I think I think it was a, a victory for that entire part of Northern California. Yeah. Oh, ab- absolutely. And, and he, this is the other thing. Uh, the A's at the time were managed by Tony La Russa. And now, one of the traditional things of the World Series is 
players acting like 10 year olds, you know, with as, <laughs> yeah. if, as if they'd never seen a bottle of champagne before in their lives, just celebrating excess and just squirting all over the place and stuff like that. The A's, and I believe this stemmed directly from La Russa, the A's felt they would celebrate, but they did it very low-key and very privately. It was almost, it was very subdued. Mm. And he felt it was not appropriate to act like idiots yes. when, when people are still recovering from yeah. personal loss and, and, and tragedy and whatnot, which I thought was very sensitive. And, and I think... I'm pretty sure I remember the end of that game. The applause just resonated forever, and it yeah. wasn't just for the A's. It was for the city, the community. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for, for both teams, and I think the Giants in particular, it was sort of uh, – it was I, I, if they, they would never publicly say, let's not play the games, but their competitive nature was a, was – diminished to some extent because of what had happened yes. you know yes. makes sense yeah mm -hmm. but I, again it was we've talked before about certain moments that you flash back to yeah. immediately and, I mean, and the things that pop into your memory yeah. and you you look also when this happened this was a little after five five oh four where was it we weren't into daylight savings time yet but the right. you know the the sun was going to go down yeah. soon You'd be operating the dark. East Coast would be three hours later, so it was after 8 o'clock yeah. when they were tuning into the World Series. Uh, no social media being around there. you know. So potentially, if you had relatives on the other side of the country, they might not have heard from you for 24 hours, not knowing what what was going if you were dead or alive or yeah i mean that that extreme i also remember that with the northridge quake here which was you know at four yeah. in the morning you had hours of you know not being in you know we were in the dark mm -hmm. so you had hours before the sun came up but you're you had family on the other side yeah. who did not know what was going on either i mean now social media has eliminated some of those issues but yeah, it's you know very very scary. Just being in Southern California, uh, I was in the San Fernando Valley. There were people who the, the 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 jolt was so strong. People in this part of the state, depending on I was on the freeway. Yeah. I had to. I was. We were gonna. We were hurrying to a friend's place to watch the game, and we were running late. And all we heard was, "Yeah, the game's ready to start." There's been. Uh, an earthquake there, so the the game is delayed. I mean, it was brought from that perspective. Yeah. Uh, we get in, we turn on the TV, and we are watching that there's a certain level of seriousness that is increasing and, and, and increasing and, and increasing. And as I recall, uh, Al Michaels, who yeah. at the time was under contract with ABC Sports, so he mm -hmm. would have been he was the lead play-by-play -play announcer for the World Series. Because you couldn't get a news team mm -hmm. to the stadium because yeah. one of the major infrastructures was now out of commission and and and, and all that, he and this was one of this was one of his most sh uh, uh, shining moments as a broadcaster because he became a news anchor mm -hmm. wow. in that moment. He wasn't necessarily trained as a newscaster, no, but, but and uh, he's just been through the same earthquake exactly. everybody else has been through. Exactly, but uh, he was. I mean, I mean I'm go going back to 
few months ago when we had our conversation about Don Pardo. Yeah. A- out of his element in some respects, but you know, he realized he had to be he, he he was the cord at that point, you know, between the network and the country and he was dis- uh, uh, he was reporting information as it was coming in and providing a sense of calm in an unstable situation. Again, it was one of his best moments ever Mm -hmm. as a broadcaster. Tony Figueroa and Donna Allen are with us as we remember how television news covered the Loma Prieta earthquake that occurred near San Francisco on October 17, 1989, a tragic event that, among other things, interrupted the start of Game 3 of the World Series that year between the San Francisco Giants and the Oakland A's and put the World Series itself in limbo for 10 days. We'll talk some more about how network and local TV cover the Loma Prieta earthquake at the end of our second hour. In the meantime, Tony will be back on the other side of the break as we welcome comedy historian Jeff Abraham next on TV Confidential. Become an advertiser or underwriter of TV Confidential and let our brand help promote your brand. To find out more, go to televisionconfidential.com slash advertise. If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. By wearing a small remote device called a continuous glucose monitor or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers right away. If you're testing your blood sugar four or more times per day, injecting insulin three or more times per day, or using an insulin pump, call the Diabetic Health Hotline today. 800-712-8002. That's 800-712-8002. Paid for by U.S. Med. Are you tired of high cable TV rates? Sign up for Dish today and get a $500 bonus offer while supplies last. Plus, lock in your price for two years guaranteed. Call All-American Dish, your Dish-authorized retailer now. 800-296-1251. 800-296-1251. That's 800-296-1251. Offers require credit qualification, 24-month commitment, early termination fee, and e-auto pay. Restrictions apply. Call for details. Story Salon is Los Angeles' longest-running storytelling venue. We have live shows every Wednesday in Studio City, as well as solo shows, podcasts, CDs, and several books. Los Angeles Daily News calls Story Salon gemstones of narrative, something new, funny, astonishing. Sunset Magazine says, tales tall, tragic, and tantalizing. All of this makes Story Salon one of the most eclectic entertainment experiences available. You can learn more about us by going to our Facebook page or by visiting our website at www.storysalon.com. Accredited by Guinness World Records, welcome to Archival Television Audio Incorporated. A peerless TV soundtrack archive preserving the audio from television's first three decades, the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, the golden and silver age of television. For more information, go to atvaudio.com. Ed Robertson, author friend Donna Allen Figueroa, who I understand has a new book out. Yes, it's entitled Fall Again Beginnings. It's the first part of a four-part contemporary romantic series set against the background of working actors. Something that you know a, little, a thing or two well, about. Well, you write what you know, and I have been working in the business for several years. It is not necessarily autobiographical, but it's based on... Sure, many of the experiences that the actors in my book have. Many have happened to me. Many have happened to friends of mine. 
It's not if you're looking for Valley of the Dolls. It's not. It's grounded in reality. It is grounded in reality, and it's the first in a series. Yes. Called the Fall Again series. Fall Again. Which is available as a paperback as well as an ebook and in Kindle at fallagainseries.com. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash TV Confidential, x.com forward slash TV Confidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.